before we start the show, I have to let you guys know about our sponsor, Velvet Noir BC. Again, Velvet Noir Beard Care Products, the best beard care product line on the market. You can get yourself any three products for $30. Again, that's any three products for $30. That's the Beard Balm, any of the four scented beard oils, the Peach Comb, and the Scented co wash and for listeners of the game plan podcast velvet noir bc has a special deal for you if you type in gptsm in the promo code box again if you type in the promo code gptsm you will get free shipping on your order again if you use the promo code gptsm your next order from velvet noir bc will have free shipping again Velvet Noir BC, top two, not two. Now let's start the show. could be anywhere doing anything but you're hanging out with us and we appreciate that so with that being said ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the game plan podcast alex goodwin is my name you can follow me on twitter at alex goodwin tsm again it's on twitter at alex goodwin tsm and joining me this week and every week my main man kennedy miller kennedy how you doing over there dog I'm pretty good. How's it going? Hey man, I'm just trying to make it out here in these streets, man. It's been a rough, been a rough seven to eight days, man. It's been a, it's been kind of rough. Not even gonna lie to you. I understand. I totally understand, man. It's been a lot, but let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. I have a new Twitter now, guys. So. Oh really? Now. Yeah, I got a new name. So you can find me on Twitter at Coach Ken underscore TNBA. Again, Coach Ken underscore T as in Tyreek Hill underscore N as in New Balance underscore B or I'm sorry, underscore TNBA. I'm going to come up with these names like you, Alex, in a minute. <laughs> All right, dog. First commercial break. All right, man. We're going to figure something out, man. Uh, and speaking of Tyreek Hill. Super Bowl just went off about 25, 30 minutes ago. We are coming up on 10 p.m. Central Time. Super Bowl just ended. Chiefs beat the 49ers 31-20. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. Kansas City, you know, they did what they did. They just exploded out of nowhere. Scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. So, Kennedy, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Um... I thought it was a, you know, the, the game, it was kind of back and forth for the first three, three and a half quarters, three quarters, I would say. But I just always had a feeling that Kansas City would have an offensive explosion. And honestly, the game was kind of, it was kind of boring to me for, for a little bit. And then Kansas City gets down by 10, as they've done in every playoff game uh, this year. And they do what Kansas City does. It, it just took a big play. And I, you got to give credit to the 49ers defense. That defensive line was really keeping Pat Mahomes um, kind of rushing some throws, uh, making some quick reads, couldn't really hold the ball that long. But all it took was one play to Tyreek Hill. And I think it was the momentum that uh, Kansas City needed to really open up that game. As far as the 49ers offensively, I think I think they kind of went away from what, what they do well. Like Kansas City couldn't stop them from running the ball. 
They're up by 10. And then you run a couple of passing plays. And I think a lot of times people overthink things when things are going well. And they, they try and overcomplicate things when it, it's right there in front of you. You know, you just got to run the ball and you might end up winning the game. You might not. Who knows? But I think it would have given them a better chance than what they ended up doing. I'll say this. Um, Kenny, you're, you're, you're a basketball guy. Basketball is your sport, right? So I'm going to take it to basketball for yes, a quick sir. second. Uh, yes, do you sir. remember in the 2013 NBA Finals in which San Antonio was playing Miami and that last, I think the last play, they had four seconds left on the clock and Greg Popovich mm-hmm. left him dunking on the bench? Mm-hmm. And Ray Allen made that three? Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan had that in, had moments like that throughout the entire ball game, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you said, do what you do best. As my grandfather Benny Goodwin Sr. used to say, "God rest his soul." Dance with the girl that brought you to the party. Running the ball. And shout out, shout out to him, lifelong cheese fan. Oh man, Benny Goodwin Sr. My gr- my grandfather is smiling in heaven because his entire life he'd say those damn sorry Chiefs let him down every time. That's one of the first things I thought about when they uh, when they were when they were winning. Man, my grandfather's hat is dancing in heaven. I know that for sure. But as far as the San Francisco 49ers are concerned, they got away from running the football. Yep. Kansas City hadn't really stopped them all night, and there were some other things that they did. Kyle Shanahan did play calling wise that let me know a few things. Right? They let me know mm-hmm. they did not trust Jimmy Garoppolo because. Yeah. They had a minute 45 left in the first half. They had just stopped Kansas City. They're about to get the ball back. They have three timeouts, and they would have got the ball back after halftime. They don't use the timeout to stop the clock. They run the clock down. Kansas City runs the clock down to like a minute and five. They punt it, and San Francisco runs the ball twice. And then they're like, oh, we should try to do something. We should try to maybe get in field goal range. That told me that they do not trust Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play when it counts. Uh, Jacksonville did something similar two years ago when they played New England when Jacksonville was up by 10. They had the ball in two timeouts, and they would have got the ball back after halftime. Blake Borders was the quarterback. They took two knees and took it into the showers. Right. Let me know everything you need to know. Like, you do not trust your quarterback to make a play when all else fails. And you saw the general manager in the the press box, John Lynch, he's like, signal, like, call the timeout. I, I didn't think that was a good look. Like, I didn't think it was a good look for your general manager to be like, come on, like, call a timeout. Let's try and get some points. I don't think he probably knew, like, the cameras were on him, though. Exactly. I mean, that's true. But, um, you know, we we praise um, Kyle Shanahan for being this innovative play caller, offensive mind. And you mean to tell me with a minute 45, three timeouts, you can't come up with something to at least get you guys in field goal range. And let's be clear, what was it? About thirty seconds left in the in the uh, before the half, and they completed the pass to George Kittle. It was called for offensive pass interference, but yeah, honestly, I think even if he didn't push off, he could have caught that pass. Absolutely, like he was he was open. And so I'm like, come on, like when you look at that, you're like, okay, well you just wasted an opportunity to at most get seven points. Like, it's not like the head coach here is Wade Phillips, and you're like, oh, well, this isn't my bread and butter. Let's just kneel it. Let's go in the half. But you're supposed to be the next offensive genius in not only your division with Sean McVay, but in the whole NFL. I think that you don't trust your guy. Like I said, if you think Kansas City in that situation is going to run it all the way down and then run the ball twice, Kansas City wouldn't have done that. The Houston Texans with that damn Bill O'Brien as a head coach. Bill O'Brien's smart enough not to do that. And he's not oh, don't matter of fact, this is not a night about Bill O'Brien. I'm not gonna go there. Yeah. I'm not gonna go there. Right? A whole lot of other people are smart enough not to do that. Right? Like in the biggest moment, in the biggest game of your life, he had moments in which he completely just broke like had a brain fart for lack of a better term. Like he wasn't there. Like Kyle Shanahan, and, and here's the thing about like the San Francisco 49ers. They built basically this entire offense around the idea of running the football. And they run yeah. to set up the pass. 
right? So in mm-hmm. a lot of the things they want to do with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball are to get him the easiest throw as humanly possible. So that's why they have all that deception, all the play action, you know, everything before the snap, all those, all that window dressing, and it's all based off the run. So once they're not able to use all those, all the, all the window dressing, all the zone stretch play action, all those different motions and, and shifts and all those different things, and they just have to drop back yeah. and have Jimmy Garoppolo throw the football, they're not confident in him doing that. And like I said, tonight it was readily on display. And throughout the entire playoffs, if we really think about it, against Green Bay, he threw the football eight times. Against Minnesota, he threw the ball 16, 17 times, right? And when they can't get him easy throws, they don't want him to throw the football. And I don't, at, at this point, and to, to, to be honest, they had that game. Like, they were up 20 to 10. That front four was getting to Patrick Mahomes, getting him out, out, out of rhythm. He threw two interceptions. You're thinking they like they had the blueprint. Get to Mahomes with just four. Yep. Until they had it until they didn't. I mean, like I said, like that. Sometimes you just overcomplicate things for no reason. When you have a good thing going, you think, oh well, what if they stop it right here? Well. They haven't stopped it, so why would you stop? Like you keep going until somebody stops you. It's the same thing that happened what 2014, Seattle and New England. Yeah, you up the one yard line. Do what got you there. You know, like what's interesting about that is I I really think like there was a lot of internal stuff they wanted Russell Wilson to be the hero. Probably. And so, Probably. like, I mean, that- go ahead. No, I'm saying I've heard that before, and it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact remains, you are a run-first, defensive-minded team. San Francisco, you are a run-first, uh, defensive-minded team. I mean, you know at on third and long, Kansas City's going to blitz because they don't believe in you. And you proved them right. Like, they, they blitz almost every third and long because – they weren't confident that Jimmy G can make the throws, and they knew that San Francisco wasn't confident that their own quarterback couldn't make the throw. And here's what's bad: and that on that uh, second and last drive that they had, they were down twenty-four to twenty. They had Emmanuel right. Sanders deep, like they had a oh, man, but naked open. open, and you missed him. And remember now, I mean this this is a guy that you you've locked up for a couple of years, twenty-seven million, like a year. And so it, it, it'll be interesting, you know, um, in the next couple of playoff runs, is he going to step up or is he going to be some a reason that's holding them back from reaching their true potential? And I'll say here, here's the bad thing about a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is not a bad quarterback, but he's not like especially good. And because there is a hot, there's a very there's a lot of scarcity in like great quarterbacks and very good mm-hmm. quarterbacks. If you get a quarterback that's average like Jim Garoppolo right. is, to slightly above average, you have to keep them because, truth be told, there's nowhere to go but down. Right. So, you know, you end up, like, there's not much they can do to get better at that spot. You know, and to be honest with you, so much of what Kyle Shanahan has done this season offensively, and I thought he should have been the coach of the year because offensively, I believe, they do not have a whole lot of elite talent. Those three running backs, Breida, uh, Mostert, and Tevin Coleman, they're okay. Right. They're all right. Uh, offensive line, they're pretty decent. Debo said you, you've got a guy, a speedster out there in Debo Samuel, but I don't think he's a number one receiver. Right. No. And you've got George Kittle out there at tight end. Like you've got one dude who like you have to have. And that's George Kittle because he's a monster. And they're doing the rest of this based off of pure scheme. And like I said, the idea that he Kyle Shanahan as bright as he is, could not scheme up something to beat the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which is not, we ain't talking about the 85 Bears here. Kyle Shanahan lost in the Super Bowl. I, I, I truly believe that. When you when you think back, I mean, obviously there's, there's more that they could have done. I, on this one, I can't really say definitively that he lost. Obviously, I do agree that he should have kept running the ball, should have kept with his formula. I've got to give credit to Kansas City, man. I yep. mean, they, but for the most part, that is a game where you would have came out 
after three quarters and said, man, Pat Mahomes, as great as he is, he didn't play well tonight. He looked, he looked off, he looked kind of out of rhythm. The pressure was getting to him. And I mean, it's, it's a fair point. Tom Brady has lost a team where they rush four guys and they get to you because you can drop more guys back in coverage. And that fourth quarter, man, they, they figured out a way. And like I said, it, it, for me, it started with that pass to Tariq Hill. And that was, I want, I want to say that was third and 10 and the play right after they had um, reversed the call on, on the catch for Tyreek Hill. Uh-huh. He threw it too low. And, I mean, that was a wide-open pass. And so for him to regroup and be able to make that um, to be able to make that throw, I was like, oh, man, they got a chance. I was about they to got say, a chance. I was going to say this. We got to go to break. I feel like Kansas City is reaching, like, that Golden State Warriors type of offensive efficiency and offensive dominance to where they can get down by 15 points or something like that, no lead was safe. Like, if we, Golden State, they can get down 20, 25. They're like, we're fine. They're like, couple threes. This, Go ahead. Would Dak Prescott win that Super Bowl if he was in the 49ers jersey? What? Why are you asking me this question? Why? What? 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 I just wanted to know. Would my guy... When ain't, my guy won that Super Bowl in that jersey. Ain't nobody thinking about no damn Dak Prescott tonight. I would say that. Nope. I, but to answer your question, I'll humor you. I'll humor you. Okay? I think, like, truth be told, why, why are you all at the camera, sir? I think that. Yeah, I, I just want to know. I, I'll say this. Like I said, remember a few years ago when I said, I think if, like, Kirk Cousins was the quarterback of the, of the Jaguars, they win that Super Bowl? Or if Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. was the quarterback of the Jaguars, they win the Super Bowl? I'll give it to you. If Dak Prescott is, is the quarterback of that team, I think they probably would have had a better chance to win that game. I'm going to be legitimate with Thank you. you. I, I'm going to be real. And that's not saying Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott is, is the man or nothing like that. I mean, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Okay. Is, is that the answer you want to hear? Yeah, that's all I need to know. <laughs> you can go to bed happy? That's all I need to know. All right, everybody. That's we, all I need to know, man. All right, everybody, we got we have to leave it right there, but we will be right back on the other side of the break. We will remember the legend, the great Kobe Bryant on the other side of the break. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter game plan tsm that's t as in t-i-s as in shawty low m as in mjg from the group eight ball and mjg kennedy miller yes sir where can they find you on twitter you can find me on twitter at coach ken underscore t n b a under again coach ken underscore t as in Tony Allen, in as in the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. B as in Byron Scott. A as in Allen Houston. All right. You in 90s NBA. That's NBA jam right there. Yeah, I tried to uh, signify it all along with uh, the great legend that we just lost, Kobe Bryant. And uh, that I like to say, I like the way you segue that. I like the segue. Um, it's this has been probably one of the roughest weeks of my life, and you know, I'll say this: I wasn't alive for when Tupac and Biggie died, but from the people I've talked mm-hmm. to, this is how that felt: like just a surreal kind of kick in the gut. Like, did this really happen? You know what I mean? So, right. uh, Kennedy, right. what were your first thoughts like when Kobe died? And you know, just kind of explain to everybody at home like what Kobe meant to you. Um, so when I first saw the news, um, I saw it a little bit late. I was working a basketball camp and, uh, I walked, I walked back to my phone and I saw that I had 85 messages and 10 missed calls. And I just scrolled up on my notification screen and saw that CNN said that Kobe Bryant had passed. So, uh, I mean, it was like I ran into a brick wall, man. It was, um, I didn't play any music on the way home. One of my my first memory of basketball 
is those Lakers, Kobe and Shaq Lakers with Kobe with the Bob and them being on top of the NBA. And I'm not going to sit up here and say that I was a big Kobe fan. I love LeBron, but there's no way that I didn't respect who he was. And I, I, I hated him because he was so good. <laughs> because because he was, he seemed to be the, the number one threat to LeBron winning championships. He was, he was an assassin, man. And honestly, the crazy thing is, I, I had a Kobe Bryant book, 550-page book. Yeah, I've had it for like two or three years now. And I hadn't read it. I had, it was on my floor in my room. And... Probably about a week or two ago, I picked it up, started reading it, and I finished it probably the Tuesday before that Sunday. And so by that time that I finished the book, I feel like I know the guy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm seeing that, you know, Dwight Howard wants him to participate, you know, with him at slam dunk contest at the All-Star game. And he's doing all this stuff. And I feel like I, I totally understand Kobe Bryant on a level that most people do not. And then it just like happens and you're like, wow, it's it's almost like when you're a basketball legend, you expect to see those guys in old age coming to the basketball games like Bill Russell, you know, like, yeah, he was supposed to be our he was supposed to be our Bill Russell. We tell what we tell our grandkids that guy when he played, he might not have been appreciated, but half those NBA players didn't want to play him. Or were intimidated just by him walking on the and I mean that's the that's the way that he's gonna go out. He honestly he, he went out in Kobe fashion because like he just he mamba out. He just he just went out like there is because anything else you're like Kobe can survive this. Yeah, Kobe played with a broken finger all year. Kobe played with a messed up knee. He, he literally started shooting with the other hand because his hand was messed up. Like, anything else, I'm like, Kobe can get a, Kobe can fix. Like, he, he's going to work his way out. He's going to be okay. Something dramatic ha- would have had to happen for Kobe to be gone like this. And it, and it did. And it, it sucks. It really does suck. I was going to say, uh, when I got the news, I had just come home from a brunch with my uh, uncle, you know, and some of his friends. And uh, it was about one twenty-five, one thirty, and uh, you know, I check uh, check Facebook or whatever, and somebody put put a link up that said Kobe Bryant had died in a plane crash or you know in a helicopter crash. You know, people put up all kinds of outrageous things on the internet day in and day out, right? Yeah. So I said, if Kobe Bryant's really dead, let me look on Twitter because on Twitter the world the world will be coming off of its axis. And I checked Twitter at the time; nothing was trending. I saw no tweets. So I decided to go take a nap and I woke up an hour and a half later to, I want to say six or seven missed calls, 20 some odd text messages and Bleacher Report, The Athletic, ESPN, CNN, Huffington Post, like every single news app I had on my phone was going berserk that Kobe was actually gone. And I woke and when I woke up, I said, so that was real. Right. I, I think initially I may have been in denial. Because I guess when I saw that story, the news really hadn't broken yet. Like the news really broke about 25 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it was it, it's something that's, you know. One of the most surreal moments of my life and, you know, something that I thought about, you know, as as you were saying, you know, that we've, we've grown up with Kobe. And I think a lot of people don't understand why people have like I would say emotional attachments to athletes and musicians. Right. But if we really think about it, big parts of our lives we associate with athletics or music. Like we can remember where we were when we heard a certain song or what we were doing when we heard this or that. And with Kobe, it's like I think for me, one of my first memories, I think for I think one of my for my birthday or something, my brother and I had Kobe Bryant number eight basketballs, like little mini basketballs we used to play with. And I had the little Kobe Bryant book. This is when he had the, had the afro and the whole nine yards. And, you know, like I said, I really hadn't considered Kobe Bryant was in the NBA. My entire life 
really I can, you know, as he because we saw him evolve as a player before our eyes. Like we saw this guy grow up and go from the young guy who was just really trying to figure out the league to being one of the best players in the league and then Shaq leaves and then Kobe Kanza kind of has a weird year or so and then you see him come into his own and have one of the like have a great second act as the lead man on his own team and just become like really what he always wanted to become which was one of the greatest players of all time like we saw him achieve every single one of his goals and like it, it just sucks that a guy like that you know is gone the way he did and at so young like i was talking about my dad last night and i told him i said you know i didn't realize how young 41 was until somebody died you know like at 41 you you've lived but you haven't become that like you haven't evolved into your true self not not true self but you know what i'm saying yeah like you haven't fully grown into what and realized what your, your your true purpose and all that. Cause I think Kobe was realizing his true purpose was probably, you know, to be a mentor and be a coach to others. Because that's what it seemed like he enjoyed doing more than anything else at this point in his life. Yeah, man. Um, you know, most, the people that don't understand why people hurt when famous people die, because everybody doesn't really... Uh, do it but there are some people that you know when things aren't going right in their world they can kind of tap into those athletes or those entertainers and and that becomes you know they're intertwined with them because things aren't going right so let me let me watch this laker game because kobe Bryant's my favorite player and let me see him score 40 and 50 points and then i'm energized by it i'm motivated by it and it it's giving me motivation that when he talks about mama mentality to to work harder at whatever I'm doing, to keep pushing whatever I'm doing. So, you know, when somebody like that dies, man, it's just it's like you lost a it's like you lost a family member. Yeah. And honestly, I ain't even want to go to work the next day. And I'm gonna be straight up. If LeBron had a win, I'm calling in. <laughs> I'm calling I'm I'm not going. I'm not going because it it, it was like the world stopped that day. Like it was like the world stopped and, and not just for him, but for the all the families that were affected, because whether you knew him as a basketball player, whether you knew him as a um, a writer, um, a father, everybody could sympathize with that man that day, because not only did he die, he, he lost his daughter died. There were other members of the family died. And then you sympathize with Vanessa and the, the rest of the children. And it was just such a a tragic loss on a Sunday uh, that I, I know I for one will never forget where I was, what was happening and really the rest of that gloomy day. Yeah. I was about to say, you know, what's uh like, I really just like thought about this and considered this, you know, how uh like when you're leaving somewhere, you know, when, you know, when you were up here, in the Dallas area, Kennedy, you know, when you were leaving to yeah. come back up here, your mom would say, you know, uh, text me or call me when you make it. Mm-hmm. Whatever, right? Like, my mom to this day still does that with me. Or my uncle, I need to text my uncle now to let him know I made it back to uh, my apartment. But, you know, the whole thought of traveling grace. You know what I mean? Yep. Getting to... We take it for granted. Yeah, getting to and from home safely. Like, that's something... You know, I, I, you know, we always tell people drive safe. Let me know you get home and, you know, you're not really thinking they're not going to make it home. Yep. That was something that made that hit me. And it was like. Making it leaving your house, you know, like yep. the idea that you didn't come back is like <sighs> that's like that. That's rough. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, yeah. It is a very sad reality that, you know, you know, you and I are a Christian man. And the scripture says, I mean, the life is like a vapor, man. It, it just, it's just like that. It comes and goes. And so, uh, um, you know, my, my thoughts and prayers are with all of the families that were affected in it. And, um, you know, I, I feel bad for Vanessa, man. 
because that that is a tough pill to to swallow and to just have to go on and still be a mother to three more girls um, in the wake of of that tragedy, man. So that's my two cents. We got to leave it right there. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Getting it on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter, Game Plan TSM. That's T as in Taka, S as in Sangria, M as in Margaritas. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Coach Ken underscore T-N-B-A. Again, at Coach Ken underscore T. T as in Tom Brady. N as in hmm. Nick Bosa. Nick How could we forget? Maga Nick Bosa. B as in I don't know why I keep thinking these Byrons. Byron Russell, Utah Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and A as in Ray Allen. I like it. Also, Game Plan Pro, Game Plan Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Velvet Noir BC. Velvet Noir Beard Care Products. Get yourself any three products for $33. Any three products for $33. For more information, go to velvetnoirbc.com or find them on Twitter at Velvet Noir BC. Velvet Noir BC. Top two? Not two. Yes, sir. So NBA trade deadline is coming up this Thursday. Most times one of the more interesting days of the NBA season. And so there are a few players that may be on the move. Uh, Kennedy Miller, we're going to run through a few names. Okay. And if the team I name is, would you think they would be a good fit for their services? You ready to go? Yes, sir. All right. Start it off. Kevin Love. With the Phoenix Suns. Okay, so I just got a notification before the Super Bowl that they were not trading Kevin Love before the trade deadline, and I'm very upset about that because I like Kevin Love. Um, I think he is a quality player who deserves to be playing on a contender. I'd like to see him in Phoenix. I think Devin Booker needs some help. I would really like to see him on a team that would actually compete in the playoffs because I think he has earned the right to play in meaningful games um, again. And so, you know, I'd like to see him on maybe like a Portland. I'd like to see him on maybe a Boston. Um, But I think in Phoenix, um, with the way that they play, and the culture is changing down there. And um, I think think he would bring a good veteran presence to that team with, with Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden and Ricky Rubio. I was going to say, if they deal him to Phoenix, who would Phoenix have to send back? Because my first thought would be a guy like Kelly Oubre. Yeah, it'd have to be something like Kelly Oubre and um, obviously a, a pick or something along those lines. But if I'm Phoenix, I would I would be inclined to say that everyone is available besides, besides Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Aiden. Um, to to bring in that all star with him, I think Phoenix is a good place for him. Like I think he he played well next to Booker because you know they do a lot of up tempo, up and down the floor, three point shooting, pace and space. Like he would fit well over there with them, you know, and that would give DeAndre Eaton a lot more room to operate down low. Like so, I think 
he wouldn't. I, I think that would be actually a very, very good fit for him. And given the fact that he's, I would say he's got a he's got a pretty fat contract, you know. Yeah. But that wouldn't be a, of great concern to a team like Phoenix, who's got everybody other outside of, other than Devin Booker on really cheap deals. So, moving on to D'Angelo Russell and the Miami Heat. I think that the Heat have a good thing going with those guys that they have. Um, and I'm not sure I would want to give up because I think you would have to give up one of those young guys, whether it be Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn um, for D'Lo. And I don't think that that would be an ideal thing. I think I keep thinking about when the when I think about the Miami Heat, when Jimmy Butler talked about why he chose to go there, because all of these players were like-minded individuals. They all had to, uh, they all can kind of understand where they came from by working hard, um, by not always being the most talented, um, but just grinding, grinding, grinding. And that's what really attracted him to Miami. I don't really get that vibe from D'Lo. I don't. I think D'Lo is super talented. Um, I think he can be a really good player. He's already an all-star. Um, I, I don't think he would really fit in with that Miami culture down there. It's a lot of things to do in Miami, just like it was a lot of things to do in L.A. And um, I, I think he I think he should stay. I think D'Lo should stay put for right now. I don't think the Warriors need to trade him. I tend to agree. I've, I think Cleveland's not excuse me, Cleveland, Golden State, even though this team is going to go nowhere fast, this is almost like a by year for them. To where, you know, I don't think they should even run Steph Curry out there again this season. Klay Thompson's not going to play. Draymond Green's been injured off and on this year. They're simply tanking it out to get a top five pick or something of the sort. And then they're going to try to run this back all over again. Like, I wouldn't necessarily get rid of D'Angelo Russell yet. Simply because I would be trying to figure out if I can finagle my way into Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Like yeah, who's to say that we don't keep D'Lo and then trade D'Lo and that pick to get Carl Anthony Towns out of Minnesota? Because I'm thinking in my head, Carl Anthony Towns, Minnesota needs to sell high Carl Anthony Towns while they still can. And Carl Anthony Towns, he like that extension he signed just kicked in, so he has three or four more years left on his contract. He won't be a flight risk after one year. You know, I think. I don't think yeah. Carl Anthony Towns could be the best player on a championship team. I think he's more along the lines of a Kevin Love or a LaMarcus Aldridge. Like they're a great talent, but they're not a they're not an alpha. They're more of a beta. You know, if that makes any sense. No, I agree. I mean, not a Batman, you're Robin. Now, Robins can be really good too. Robins have win you think. But everybody can't be a Batman. Everybody can't be a Batman. So um I think yeah, I think they're gonna try and hold off to the summer, see what pick they get, and then try and package that to get a uh, veteran player that can keep their championship window open uh, a couple more years. And Carl Anthony Towns hasn't won a game since before Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving. It's February now. Damn. Like <laughs> that, that 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 that's all I have to say about that. Just damn. Uh. Moving on. It's really bad. This is bad. This is very, very bad. Moving on to Derrick Rose. And Kennedy, you'll like this one right here. You'll like this one. Derrick Rose yes, and the LA Lakers. Kennedy, your thoughts? Um, so I'm kind of torn on a couple of things with this. Number one, um, I'm not really sold on giving up Kyle Kuzma. Has he been inconsistent? Yes. Has he been the product that we thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season? No. But a couple of things have to factor into that. One is the play of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, which has limited his minutes. The plan was to have those two big, but at the end of the game, to kind of put AD at the five, Kyle Kuzma at the four. But with how well those two bigs have been playing, um, there's really nowhere that he can play on the floor right now. Um but I still think he's a young guy. He's 24. Um, he's a volume scorer. He can he can he can light it up a little bit. But there are some things that he's still missing. And so, I 
I'm torn because I want to make good executive moves. But at the end of the day, LeBron is 35 years old. They have a window of maybe a year and a half. So why not go all in, get a guy like Derrick Rose, maybe get a guy like Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, and uh, try and maximize the potential that you have on this roster. Another thing, and this will kind of be minor. Go ahead. This Derrick Rose isn't the same one that was in Cleveland, but I've kind of seen this experiment before, and it didn't look that good. Now, I could, I could, I could very well be wrong. This Derrick Rose could be different. I mean, this Derrick Rose LeBron James experiment could be different, but I've seen it before. I would kind of prefer to get Darren Collison, um, somebody that I could. Mm, honestly, I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be like if, if if it just came across my screen right now. That we traded and got Derrick Rose, I'm not upset. I'm actually ecstatic. I'll say this about Derrick Rose: though this, he will never be the All NBA youngest MVP. Derrick Rose, he'll never be that guy again, just because he's physically deteriorated to the point to where he will never be that type of player again consistently. But he's scoring right. 19 points a game and shooting close to 50% from the field, which is a career high. Now, he does have right. a lot of – there are some downsides to a guy like Derrick Rose. Number one, Derrick Rose is a turnstile defensively. Like, you do not want him out on the floor during the closing moments of a game just because he's that unreliable and he's going to need a whole lot of help. But would you take a chance on Derrick Rose having a 20 to 25-point game in the playoffs and that swings a game for you right like is that risk worth it i think at a certain point it is because like you have to think about it like coming off that bench i think he would also be a nice change of pace from a rondo and a alex caruso and i think he would he would probably yeah. like his ceiling is probably higher than that of quinn cook right yeah and and honestly to be real the real reason we're looking at a guy like Darren Collison, a guy like Derrick Rose, even the guy uh, we are rumored to be looking at, DJ Augustine, is, is for the Clippers. It's, for, it's to compete with the six-man that they have in Lou Williams. That's really the thing. We're, we're trying to get a scoring, playmaking guard to come off our bench the same way that they have Lou Will come off their bench. That, 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 that's what it is at the end of the day. So they're not confident in Alex Caruso as a playmaker. Pretty good defender, plays hard. Not much of a playmaker can't really create for himself or others. And Rondo is not the Boston Celtics version of himself. So, um, we're looking for a guy that can give you 15 a night, maybe off the bench, and then kind of play off LeBron and AD and, and can be able to score on his own. Moving on to the aforementioned Los Angeles Clippers, Marcus Morris. Now, I'll take this one off to start, right? I think this would probably be, like, given the fact that the Clippers gave up a haul of picks in order to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they don't have a whole lot Mm -hmm. left. And Marcus Morris is probably the most feasible acquisition they can make. You know, they would probably only have to give up maybe a Jermichael Green or Rodney Magruder, one of those other dudes we've never, ever heard of or thought of, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And also, he's another guy that, like, they need front court depth. And, you know, you could put him alongside Zubak and uh, Montrez Harrell. But, like, you remember how you said uh, the Lakers are trying to find a guy to match Lou Williams? Yes. The Clippers are trying to actively find somebody that can guard Anthony Davis in the seven-game series. Do I think Marcus Morris will be able to do that? I don't, but I think he adds that that whole grit and grind kind of toughness thing they've got going with Patrick yeah. Beverly and Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Montrezl Harrell up and down the line. Like they've got a lot of dudes that are you know kind of rough and tumble, ready to defend. You know, I think Marcus Morris that's a great veteran add. You know, to a team with like serious championship aspirations that's a real that's a real contender i mean that that's dangerous if they if they were to get marcus morris i would i'd be afraid um you can you can check my timeline from the summer i wanted marcus morris to be a laker and um i've always i've kind of i've always kind of liked this game both the morris twins and honestly you can check my timeline from about three years ago i've wanted at least one morris twin to be either on the Cavaliers roster or the Lakers roster 
for the past two to three years. I wanted Marquise when he was in Phoenix. I wanted Marquise when he got bought out last year and ended up signing with Oklahoma City. And I wanted Marcus this summer. I, I still, you know, kind of hold out hope that we can get like a Marcus Morris because if the Lakers can get a wing like Marcus Morris or Robert Covington and or a playmaker like Darren Collison or uh, Derrick Rose, we're set. I was going to ask, well, if you can't get Marcus, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Look, you, you could, where's Markeith? He's in uh, Detroit. Oh. He's been dealing with some injuries, but I, I've seen him on uh, like some trade radars for the Lakers as well. I was about to say, you remember, remember the time when the, the Suns had to trade them <laughs> because oh, Marcus yeah. and Markeith beat up their mama's boyfriend? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember that. They said they were going to have to buy him out because, you know, he came out with the uh, comments about Jay Crowder said he was played very soft, very woman-like. Yeah, that was good. I, I was, we, we can't have that. No, we can't. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Houston Rockets and Robert Covington. Yep. Now, I'll say this. I think the biggest reason that the Houston Rockets have struggled in the past two years is because they lack depth on the wings. Uh, that twenty eight, that twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen season, which they were on the cusp of making it to the NBA Finals. Uh, if we remember, they had uh, Mba Mute as well as Trevor Ariza and PJ Tucker on those wings. Yeah, they got rid of Mba Mute and they let Trevor Ariza walk and go to Phoenix. And since then, yeah. this team has been far too small to where they like if Clint Capella's out, they're going to get decimated on the boards. And I think they need a wing. In order to like put them back in to for a potential playoff uh, to be a serious contender, because at this point Houston's going nowhere fast. Yeah, I mean they're they're a second round team right now. You know, I think they might be able to they match up better with the Clippers more so than the Lakers. But at the end of the day, both of those series are either going six, um, five or six games, in my opinion. Um. They need a wing. I mean, Robert Covington would be ideal for them. Uh, it would be an upgrade over Daniel House. Shout out Hightower. But the, the truth is the truth. It would be an upgrade over him. Um, it would add more size to their lineup, uh, give them more versatility. Like you mentioned, when they had P.J. Tucker and Mba Mute, they had a top 10 defense in the in the NBA. And, and Trevor Reza as well. And so um, if they could get a Robert Covington, if they could – even if you – you don't even have to go with a three and D. If you just get a three point marksman, you know, they've been linked to Kevin Love for years. But if you get like a Davis Bertans, who's the top five in three point percentage this year, playing next to Russell Westbrook and James Harden, that makes you more lethal. I'm not gonna say he would move the needle um against the Clippers or the Lakers. I'm not even gonna say Rob Covington would do that, but it would definitely make them better than what they are. I was gonna ask the question, like I just I'm reading this, you know, who could they trade? Because Eric Gordon can't be traded until the summer. Gerald Green and Austin Rivers have no trade clauses, which makes no sense to me. Like, yeah. none. Like, who would they possibly trade to get a Robert Covington? And we got to remember, the Houston Rockets don't have draft picks. Like, they dumped a whole bunch of them in order to get Chris Paul two, two years ago. And they dumped a bunch more to get Russell Westbrook. Like, what yep. capital do they have to trade for Robert Covington or Davis Bertans? Like, I, I think, you know, like, what does Daryl Morey have at his disposal? They can't start trading draft picks from 2035. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's kind of the same with, you know, the, the Rockets and the Clippers. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers as well. Is that all of these teams have done moves to potentially win a championship in the next year or so. And so when you come to this time and you're looking at the trade deadline, the Lakers, what, Alex Caruso, uh, uh, the guy they just drafted, Talon Horton-Tucker, Kyle Kuzma. Um, JaVale McGee. But, I mean, if you're, JaVale, if you're a serious team, are you really taking those offers? Or are you, are, would, but would you think you're giving a discount to the Lakers like they, they did when they got Paul Gasol? And so when you, when you think about that, it's like, I mean, it's going to be, honestly, all of these teams should be looking 
they they've got to be salivating on the the buyout market, like just hoping some of these guys can end up getting bought out instead of just uh, teams trying to get a first round pick or a quality player for them. I was gonna say, Ian, I got I'll, I'll throw this name out before we go to break. I know it's gonna make you upset. Andre Iguodala, anybody? I mean, I would hope he goes to L.A., man. He was on, uh, what show was he on? He was on First Take. Yeah, he was on First Take, and I saw that they were trying to get him to go to the Clippers and stuff, but I would love to have Andre Iguodala on on a team with LeBron James. I've always wanted those two to be able to play together. I know LeBron really tried to push for the Cavs front office to draft him the year after he got drafted in 04. Um, but I think he got taken a spot or two ahead of Cleveland and they took a nobody. So um, he's a he's a very high IQ player. You know, he's not what he used to be, of course, but he, he's had a year off. So it, his bones are his body's fresh and, you know, I, I think if you put smart people in a room together, they're going to figure some stuff out. I think if you put LeBron, Andre Godala, Rondo, uh, you got a coach staff of Jason Kidd, Mr. Big, Lionel Holland. I think, you know, come and, and Frank Vogel, I don't want to just pick him, but and you know, in a playoff series where you have to game plan, you're playing the same team for two weeks, I think all those basketball minds, I think they're gonna be really tough to stop. I agree. We have to leave it right there. We got to take a quick break, folks. But coming up on the other side of the break, the last segment of the show, we're going to close it out with telling our favorite Kobe Bryant stories. Closing the show out with our favorite Kobe Bryant stories. This is the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin, Kennedy Miller, don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter, Game Plan TSM. That would be T as in T Pain, S as in Day, M as in Marvin Gaye. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? Follow me on Twitter at Coach Ken underscore T N B A. Again, at Coach Ken underscore T as in Terry Cummings. Okay. N as in Nick Van Exel. B as in Bernard King. And A as in Andre Iguodala. Dog, did you throw it back to the ABA with Bernard King? Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to. I feel that. I feel that. So. Final segment of the show. And before we get there, again, Game Plan Podcast sponsored by our friends at Velvet Noir BC. Velvet Noir Beard Care Products. Top two. Not two. All right. All right. And we're going to finish the show out today by telling our favorite Kobe Bryant stories that we've heard over the past, we should say, week since his passing. So, Kitty Miller, I'm going to let you start this one off. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I just got done reading a book on him. Uh, so it, it's definitely a lot of stories that were told in there and a lot of, you know, crazy Kobe moments that he had that you kind of started finding out as he retired. And it was one where he, he's getting ready to get drafted and his agent is like talking to him. And his agent talks about this is one of the first times that he seems kind of nervous about the whole draft process. And so he, he asked his agent, he was like, you know, uh, I wonder where, I wonder what pick I'm going to get drafted. And his agent was like, well, you're probably going to end up going behind Antoine Walker. And kind of looks at his agent like, the hell? I'm better than Antoine Walker. <laughs> and his agent's like, well, I mean, yeah, that may be true, Kobe, but Antoine just was the best player on the national championship team at Kentucky. And the agent says, he just looks at him again and says, I'm better than Antoine Walker. 
And, you know, it just kind of made me like he didn't care what the reality or, you know, what it, what it looked like from the surface because he knew that he was going to outwork you. He knew that he was going to be better than you. Like he had his 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 goal set on something so much bigger that people couldn't comprehend it. And when you look back, you just have to respect it because he knew he was going to be better than Antoine Walker. And then the second one, um, you know, he's working out for teams. He worked out for the uh, Sixers. And most of the organization loved him. But as you know, they had the number one pick. Their general manager was sold on getting Allen Iverson. Not a bad pickup at all. So they were thinking about trading for the number seven pick and getting Kobe Bryant pairing Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant together. They were going to trade Jerry Stackhouse. However, they were so set on a backcourt of Allen Iverson and Jerry Stackhouse that they ended up never doing it. And uh, they just thought that that backcourt would be too too good together and turned out to not be uh, not be that good. But um, Kobe had worked out with the Nets, and the Nets were interested in taking them at seven. And really the only teams that were interested were the Nets at seven and the Hornets at 13. So Kobe's agent was really good friends with Jerry West, and the Lakers had like the 22nd pick. And so Kobe's agent was like, hey, just, just bring him in for a workout. And the Lakers are, you know, just about to get Shaq. So Kobe comes in, works out, and is, you know, he's working out with other guys. He's killing Eddie Jones. Killing Eddie Jones, who, who's an all-star at this point. And he brings in uh, the first workout, play really well. They asked him to come back for a second workout. And they bring him in against Dante Jones, who is, you know, obviously famous later for injuring Kobe Bryant and tripping him and stuff. And so... Uh, I thought it was funny because they they did a a pre uh, draft workout together, and Dante Jones was a senior out of Mississippi State. He said Kobe's just dominating, dunking on him, and he said like midway through the workout, Jerry West walks up to his agent at half court, said, "Stop, uh, stop, stop this! It's, it's over. We're gonna take him. We're gonna find a way to trade for him." So they had to tell the Nets at seven, if he if you guys draft him, he's gonna play in Italy. Because he he's, he's not going to play with you. He's not going to play in the NBA if you guys draft him. So it was just between him and the Hornets. And the Hornets end up trading Vladi Divac, which is also kind of funny because Vladi uh, didn't want to leave L.A. to go to Charlotte. He, he, he threatened to retire. And so it's <laughs> in that book by that guy that you like, Shea Serrano. Yeah, Shea Serrano, yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's kind of like in those basketball what if, like what if Vladi Divac retired and that trade never went down it was this whole thing about kobe's career how it could have gone totally different but yeah those are those are two stories that immediately came to my head all right i got a couple that may be like i don't know if funnier is the right word but just you know like they're so on brand with kobe so the first one i just thought about was uh kyle anderson he used to play with for the spurs and he plays for the memphis grizzlies he says uh, they were at the free throw line, and Kobe looked at him. He said, hey, man, how old are you? And Kyle Anderson answered. He said, I'm 23. And Kyle, and then Kobe said, so you've seen me. So you watched me play your entire life. And Kyle Anderson was like, yeah. He said, you ever seen me not take an open shot? And Kyle Anderson said, no, I haven't ever seen you pass an open shot. And Kobe said, so why the f*** you just pass up one right now? <laughs> right he said Kyle Edison yeah. said he didn't have an answer for him he said next time you get an open shot you take it he said pop will understand mama mentality he said it's an open shot the next one I remember was uh when Lou Williams and Nick Young were talking about how uh Kobe threw their Kobe sneakers in the trash and said they didn't deserve to wear them oh yeah <laughs> like there was that one uh and then i think they had another one where uh they said that again this is at the end of kobe's career where the lakers were just an abject organization at, by that point and uh yep. nick young broke his thumb and kobe didn't mm -hmm. believe nick young's thumb was broken and so kobe's like man your thumb ain't broke your thumb ain't broke your thumb ain't broke they said kobe didn't believe nick young's thumb was actually broken until nick young went into surgery <laughs> 
and they said they, and they said that Kobe felt bad. Um, the other one was uh, I think twenty twelve. Anthony Davis told this story the other day. Uh, they were on the Olympic team. Anthony Davis was just come out of college as the number one pick. And, you know, he was on the end of that bench. That, again, like me and you've talked about this, that team may, like, there's a strong possibility that team may be more complete and just more talented than the dream team. Like, Anthony Davis was the 12th man. Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden were number 10 and 11 on that roster. Yeah. But Anthony Davis, in one of those games, Anthony Davis, they're, they're about to send him in because they're up by, like, a, a, a zillion points. Anthony Davis does not have his jersey on under his warm-up. Mm-hmm. And so they said, he said, after that, that entire summer, Kobe was like, hey, kid, you got your jersey on? <laughs> he said, the rest of the like, hey, kid, you got your jersey on? He said, Anthony Davis said he made it to the NBA. And Kobe, and Kobe was like, hey, man, I'm glad to see you got your jersey on today, young fella. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's like, it was like a funny, lighthearted joke. And one more that they haven't told the story about this. But I think this man should, and I think this would be a great story to tell on some podcast. There is a picture of Kobe Bryant next to Snoop Dogg, and their eyes are red like brake lights. Oh, yeah. I have got to hear the story of Snoop Dogg telling everybody the time he got high with Kobe. Yeah. Like, we need this story for the culture. He's got to explain that. Like for posterity, like we need this story for just just for the records, Snoop. Like Snoop, if you ever hear this, we need you to tell this story. We do. Uh, you got any more Kobe stories, Kennedy? That like funny Kobe stories? I saw a tweet from uh, Quincy Pondexter. Uh, he was playing with the Pelicans at this point, and Kobe had just dislocated his right shoulder, so he couldn't raise it. He couldn't shoot, and he said he. He was posting up on Quincy Pondexter and did a turnaround with his left hand and shot. He said, so after the game, Quincy came up to him and was like, Kobe, you have to do you have to do me like that shooting shooting left handed. And he said, Q, I done scored thirty thousand points. You ain't think I made none of them with my left hand? <laughs> and he was like, Well he's like, I have words for him. And then um he said Kendrick Perkins told a story on the jump. Uh, he was playing enough, and he had switched out on Kobe. And he said he kind of said something to Kobe while he's uh while he was guarding him on the on the perimeter, and Kobe kind of like smirked. And Kobe said he kind of jabbed at him a little bit, and he said he kind of shook him, and then he hit a three. And as he was running down, he said, "All right, Perk, I don't want to tell you other ACL." <laughs> I said. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Like, you know the funny thing about all these Kobe stories are? He's dead serious. What? Like, Kobe's dead serious in every single last one of these stories. Like, it's not like Kobe's trying to be funny or tell a joke or anything like that. It's like, dog, he's serious. Like, Luke Walton told a story, uh, you know, when Luke Walton came to the league. uh, They're around there. I think they are like the same age. But, you know, Kobe didn't go to college. So Kobe never played any of those drinking games, you know, flip, cup, quarters, anything, beer pong. Kobe never done that. And so they said, Luke Walton said they were on the team playing. They were trying to teach Kobe how to play beer pong and all these other different games. And they said Kobe was terrible. They said Kobe was over there in the corner for like an hour trying to, like, get better at playing these drinking games. And they're like, dog, is he serious right now? Like, Kobe got to wear that beer pong, too? Yep. Like, man. <laughs> man, he told, he told his dad at around, I think, eight years old, he was on the bus with his dad and his teammates when his dad was playing overseas. He said, when I grow up, I'm going to teach you guys how to really play basketball. And there's a story that one of his – um high school teammates told in the book about Kobe in high school super competitive would let the let the other teams come back in the game if the game was out of hand so that he could practice late game situations with games on the line but he said in practice never missed a drill I mean never uh, lost a drill individual or team and so he says one time th- this guy he's like I'm five foot four Really got no business playing on the team with him, but uh, I, I played hard. So they're doing a three-on-three situation, 
And he said, everybody knows I'm going to pass to Kobe. So the game is on the line. So I fake it to Kobe and shoot a layup. And I miss it. And they come down and score and we lose the game. And he said, Kobe let me have it. He, he was like, who the F do you think you are? You give me the ball. You don't never not pass it to me. And he said he was really berating me for like an hour. And so he was like, I got to the point where I was like, all right, just leave me alone. Or like, shut up. He was like, I don't remember what I said. Shut up. Just leave me alone. He said, and Kobe just kind of stared at me for a second. He said, then he took off and started chasing me. He said, so I ran towards the nurse's office as, as fast as I can. And he said, I, I must have ran like two or three blocks. And then I, I turned around and he was gone. And so he said at the next practice, he's still kind of upset that Kobe had, you know, yelled at him or whatever. So he comes down on Kobe and he, he said, I think Kobe tried to take a charge. And I went up and I made the layup. And once I made the layup, I kind of screamed. I threw the ball at him. And I ran down the court with my arms in there. He said, my teammates were saying, turn around, turn around, turn around. So I turned around and a ball had whizzed right by my head. And he said, if I didn't duck at the last second, Kobe probably would have knocked me out with that basketball. Kobe was bullying kids. Dog. <laughs> hey, man, I'll say this, man. Like them, love them, hate them, whatever the case may be. There will never be another like Kobe nope. Bean Bryant. Like, we... We don't make too many of those, folks. Uh, but we have to leave it right there. We are out of time here on the Game Plan Podcast. Kitty Miller, I got to thank you, my man, for, you know, making this work on such short notice after the Super Bowl. You know, I appreciate you, man. No problem, man. We had a lot to talk about, man, and it was it was definitely needed. Uh, again, before we go, where can the folks find you at your new Twitter name? Remember, remind remind the folks. Coach at underscore T N B A at Coach Ken underscore T. I'm still yours as in Taco. Okay. N as in Nutella. B as in bananas. A as in apple. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh you follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin T S M Minutes on Twitter. Alex Goodwin T S-M-T as in Taka S as in salad M as in meatballs Okay. holla at your boy this episode will be up on Spotify and on SoundCloud we're going to try to get the podcast up on Apple Podcast here pretty soon you can also check the Game Plan Podcast out on youcanarguethatsports.com for Kennedy Miller This is Alex Goodwin. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. We will see you guys next time.